I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved Republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. He made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, that is simply and various not other places. True. That is a soundbite from just three years ago, in which the current president of the United States, Joseph R. Biden, steadfastly denied that his family had made a single dime from China, that he had made any money from China and Donald Trump was accusing him and suggested that his family was just vacuuming up money throughout China and Moscow and Kazakhstan and Ukraine. And Joe Biden explicitly denied. In fact, I've got dozens of examples. I'll play a few of them for you. And why am I doing that? Because today, brand new information out in just the last several hours shows direct payments from a corporation uh, owned and controlled by his son, Hunter Biden, a corporation that Joe Biden has always denied he knew nothing about. And yet, in 2018, five years ago, he began getting checks for about $1,400 a month from a corporation owned and controlled by his son that Joe Biden claimed he knew nothing about. And where was that money coming from? It was coming from communist China. Joe Biden is finally going to get caught out in his lie. I think this is the reason that on Friday we began hearing from members of Congress there are now the votes on Capitol Hill to be able to take a vote to begin an impeachment proceeding against Joseph R. Biden, currently president of the United States. Glad to have you with me on a Monday. Always glad to take your calls, too, at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And if you happen to be a naysayer, and I might get some Joe Biden supporting naysayers today, that's okay. We'd be glad to hear from you. Uh, naysayers go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com and vote in our Twitter poll. We put up a brand new poll question on X or Twitter every single day.
You'll find it at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. But let me get back to what the new information is just today, just literally a few hours ago. A corporation owned and controlled by Hunter Biden made at least three different monthly payments to President Joe Biden beginning in 2018, according to bank records released by the House Oversight Committee on Monday. And if you say, well, what's the big deal? Joe Biden got some money from his son's business. Here's the problem. Joe Biden has said he had absolutely no involvement in his son's businesses ever. Listen to the first soundbite. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. Period. Well, that's pretty definitive for me. Those subpoenaed bank records, the ones that have been, you know, they, they are now showing up everywhere in the last several hours, show a payment of $1,380 to President Joe Biden beginning in September of 2018. The committee says that the payments established a direct benefit to Joe Biden that he got from his family's foreign business dealings, despite Joe Biden's explicit, explicit statements to the contrary. Take a listen to this next soundbite, soundbite number two. How many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about overseas business Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business Yes, I stand by that statement. Now, the fact is, Joe Biden had to stick with that line of argument. It was hogwash. It was a big, fat lie. But why did he have to say it? Well, even Joe Biden admitted why he had to say that. Take a listen to the next soundbite. There's not a single solitary thing anyone said that was done wrong. I don't discuss business with my son because I don't want to have any knowledge of any. I, I don't want to be accused of, well, you talk with your son or you talk with your whomever. And so the fact is, though, everybody's looked at that. He did nothing wrong. Zero. Now, I want to point out a couple of logical contradictions in what the current commander in chief is saying. Because last week, the bank records came out the, that showed that a money laundering investigator for the federal government had written up reports saying he was concerned about a large transfer of money from China that went to James Biden, it went to Hunter Biden, and some of it trickled down to Joe Biden. Now, why was he concerned about that? He said because it appeared that the money, $5 million, was coming in from China even though Hunter Biden's law firm was not working on anything at the time. In other words, he was getting paid for doing nothing. So what was he getting paid for in reality? Because of his dad's influence. Now, why did Joe Biden, ask yourself this, and I'd ask a naysayer this as well, why did Joe Biden work so hard to tell folks, I know nothing, nothing, nothing about my son's business deals, because he knew that they were illicit deals based on his son peddling influence of then Vice President Joe Biden. Why did Biden in the 2020 debates insist that his son had done nothing wrong while simultaneously claiming to know absolutely zero about what his son was doing? How in the world could Joe Biden say, I know my son has done nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong with anything he was doing, but I know absolutely nothing about what my son was up to. The two statements don't make sense. And Joe Biden explicitly denied that his son made any money from China and that he made any money from China while he claimed to be ignorant of his son's business deals. And let me remind you of this. Joe Biden, as vice president, traveled to communist China. 
He took his son Hunter with him on the airplane. Now, I've been asking this question out loud for the last couple of years, but let me ask it again. So Joe and his son Hunter get on Air Force Two when he was vice president. They fly 14 or 15 hours all the way to China. They talk about the weather. They talk about baseball. Maybe they talk about girls, although I'm not sure his dad would want to hear much about the girls that Hunter Biden likes to hang out with. They spent 14 hours sitting next to each other on Air Force Two and never talked business. And then when they land in communist China, Joe goes off to his meetings. Hunter goes off to his meetings and lands a $1.5 billion investment from a Chinese government-controlled entity to put $1.5 billion into Hunter Biden's business enterprise, his hedge fund at the time, and then gets back on a plane with his dad for 14 or 16 hours, and all the way home, having just landed a $1.5 billion deal, does Hunter Biden say one word of that to Joe Biden? And again, he doesn't. Because Joe Biden has to remain, retain deniability. Take a listen to the last soundbite in which Joe Biden is talking about Donald Trump and China. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. I have not had, a, the only guy made money from China is this guy. He is the vice president of the United States and his son, his brother and his other brother are getting rich. They're like a vacuum cleaner. They're sucking okay, up money. President Every Trump, thank you. We do it's need to true. move on. Did you notice how the moderator in that so-called debate cut off Donald Trump when Donald Trump was getting to the truth of it? The Biden crime family has made tens of millions of dollars, much of it from communist China. And we now have a president of the United States who is owned lock, stock and barrel by Beijing. Back in a moment. It's a Monday. Glad to have you with me on the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. Why is K2 with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Pediatric cancer, I think better than any other institution in the world. The contributions make a big difference. Donors are important to us because you get the feeling that you have a team behind you. We have the resources and we have the focus. And so if St. Jude doesn't do it, who will? St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. 
Recently, the U.S. Navy delivered tons of food to hungry people halfway around the world. But you could help someone in your own community simply by donating a can of soup. Last week, a Navy doctor saved the life of a total stranger. Just like you could by giving a pint of blood. The men and women of America's Navy do some amazing things to make the world a better place. So can you. Whether it's by donating food or simply giving time, right in your own backyard. Brought to you by America's Navy. Because you like what you hear, right, Lars Larson? That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, you're bloody well right. You know he got a right to say. This is the Northwest nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias. Well call me crazy and plenty of people do believe me but plowing snow to me seems like transportation 101 especially in a state where many highways get snow every single winter and you know the list of them. Uh, I-84 almost always gets some snow. 26 over Mount Hood snow. 58 from Eugene to central oregon that gets snow how about highway 97 not too many years when you don't get snow and i-5 over the siskiyous gets snow every single year and yet feckless odot claims it lacks the cash to be able to fire up the snow plows it is now demanded that governor tina kotek come up with 19 million bucks or the snowflakes stay on the asphalt let's test that extortionate notion would you please? Three billion plus dollars every year goes to ODOT. That's $8.3 million every day. An agency that has not started a new freeway in 50 years can't get a simple bridge across the Columbia. And now they claim they can't plow the roads without increasing their budget by another one-third of one percentage point. Among its more than 4,500 well-paid employees, ODOT has 70 Count them 70 full-time people who do nothing but manage money for the agency. Now, that's an agency flush with cash. Out here in the real world, people who run short of cash have to sort out the nice-to-haves from the have-to-have stuff. Things like rent and gas and groceries. I rank snow plowing as a have-to-have. Yet out of $3 billion a year, ODOT's financial wizards can't find $19 million. Maybe they haven't checked the uh, cushions on the couch in ODOT's uh, director's uh, office or something. It's the math equivalent of a guy who makes $300,000 a year who tells his friends that he's on foot these days because he doesn't have $300 to fix his car. I would call that guy an idiot, and it seems like at least some of those idiots are running state government agencies like ODOT. Our question of the day from Andrew. Lars, a Republican and a Democrat walk into a bar. The Republican shows the Democrat a retweet about voting by text message. The Crusaders at the Justice Department swoop in and arrest him, and he is convicted. The Democrat, Sheila Jackson Lee, shows the Republican an ad for her election, telling people to vote on the wrong day. Is she going to be getting a visit from the feds as well? Andrew, I suspect she will not. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? 
Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. Well, today's Daily Grill is going to go to Joe Biden, Democrat. It also goes to Republicans if they lack the constitutional fortitude or the backbone or whatever piece of their anatomy they need to have to be able to get about impeaching this guy. The proof that Joe Biden got regular payments from his son's business while claiming he never got money from Hunter and never talked about business with Hunter Biden. And I've had at least a few callers already including some naysayers, some of whom uh, decided not to stay on the line. But they said, Lars, it's 1400 bucks. What's the big deal? Well, 1400 is a piece of that big deal because we also have a canceled check with Joe Biden's signature on it that shows $40,000 from his brother, James Biden. Now, James Biden was getting paid directly from Hunter Biden's corporation. And then all of a sudden, he remembered some loans that his brother had made to him. So he wrote a check for $40,000 to Joe Biden and labeled it loan repayment. That's, I think, an attempt to avoid the prying eyes of the IRS and maybe other people as well. There was a $200,000 check that Joe Biden also cashed. Again, loan repayment. You know what's kind of amazing? Joe Biden has never had a real job in the real world in his life. He's always bragged that he was just plain old Joe or blue-collar Joe, ride the train home Joe, and yet somehow this joker had hundreds of thousands of dollars that he somehow accumulated while working a public sector job that never paid more than about $175,000 a year. Joe Biden's sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars that he's loaned out to other members of his family, especially his brother, and all of a sudden his brother said, oh yeah, I forgot about that 200000 I owed brother Joe. I better write him a check right now. You can smell the stink off this from about a mile away. And if the Republicans don't do something about it, a president who lied to the public about communist China. A president who lied about knowing about his son's business affairs while simultaneously claiming, oh, I know my son's done nothing wrong, even though I know absolutely nothing about what it is he's doing for business and getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if anybody says, well, it was only three $1,400 payments that we know of right now. Just remember, a year ago, what we knew about the Biden crime family was we knew they had received payments of at least $1 million. Today, we know that they have received payments of at least $24 million. And we now know that tens of thousands of those dollars have flowed directly or indirectly right to Joe Biden. If you tell me that's not impeachable, I'd love to hear the naysayer call where you try to persuade me. Today's best email, but you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com. Jan Kitchell writes in, Lars, kids don't need to go to school. They can get a diploma without learning at all. As we walked by the picket line one day during the latter part of the strike, my wife said, the kids need to be back in school. And one of the teachers responded, no, they don't. So kids who are more disruptive are going to be disciplined less. Sounds like the streets of Portland, signed Jan Kitchell. Jan, thanks very much. If you want to send emails, it's easy enough to do. Talk at LarsLarson.com. And if you want to dial in, naysayers go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Today's Twitter poll or X poll question, should Congress force you to pay a Netflix tax? Guess whose crazy idea this is? 
It comes from the senior U.S. senator from the state of New York. He lives in New York. He claims to represent Oregon. That is Ron Wyden. And he's working with an Idaho senator by the name of Ron Crapo, who is also a Republican, believe it or not. They want to have a digital service tax, somewhat like the one that's in Europe right now. Now, what does that mean? It means that Wyden's plan could end up taxing Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney, but most especially the online retailer, Amazon Prime. And if you say, well, what would justify that? Their answer is, we're doing it because we can. We're doing it because we want more of your money. So in other words, add a tax to something like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and Disney, and only those who actually take a close look at their bill are going to determine that it's there. But it's like being able to catch a nickel out of every transaction. Can you imagine if you could come up with a one-penny tax on every single transaction that Amazon does on a daily basis? So should Congress force you to pay a Netflix-slash-Amazon-slash-Hulu-slash-Disney tax? I would say no to that. You can vote any way you like at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Coming up in just a moment, is downtown Seattle really on the upswing and improving as we're being told? We'll talk to our friend Jonathan Cho from the Discovery Institute coming up next. It's a Monday and you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Simply by listening, you're proving how smart you really are. Lars thanks you. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on the Radio Northwest Network, proudly serving the Pacific Northwest states, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho for the past almost 24 years now. Uh, glad to get to your calls and your emails. Naysayers, of course, go first at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And join me in welcoming our good friend, the journalist Jonathan Cho from the Discovery Institute. Jonathan, good to have you back. Hey, Lars, thanks for having me. So public officials in Seattle, much like Portland, are trying to say, hey, the city's on the mend, we're getting back to normal now. Uh, am I wrong in saying that's what they're claiming? And tell me how that claim holds up against the facts on the ground. Well, that's at least the uh, public messaging. And uh, there is no doubt that uh, the city and elected officials are trying to turn things around in Seattle. But I thought that this first weekend, uh, here in December, the, the Christmas, you know, holiday spirit, the lights up and the trees and, and all the ornaments. I thought at the very least we were going to get rid of the open air drug use at these hot spots in the downtown core. Well, I was dead wrong, Lars. It's all come roaring back. And frankly, I think it's worse than ever. Well, and in fact, that's the kind of thing that I think could be the most scary for people who are you know, going to a downtown, whether it's Portland or Seattle, you're down there with your family and you see somebody sitting on the street shooting something through a hypo, uh, from a hypodermic needle into his arm. And you recognize this is not legitimate drug. Uh, this is not a, a doctor administering some treatment to himself. This is somebody who's shooting up. And you realize if that kind of behavior is happening right out in public, uh, then clearly it's an anything goes kind of environment. And that 
that sounds like a scary and potentially dangerous environment to be in. Well, here's what's happening right now on the ground real time. Here's what appears to be sort of working. The Ross store, the, the big national chain, is right at the corner of Third and Pike in I've downtown been there. Seattle. Yeah. Yep. They just added some bright lights overhead shining down on the drug addicts. Uh, <laughs> store officials tell me that they're hoping that putting a spotlight would make a difference. Well, it's not quite working. I asked the addicts, I asked some of the folks selling the boosted stolen merchandise, does it deter them? Of course they're going to say absolutely not. Thankfully, though, I am seeing more officers on foot patrols. They're moving people along from these hot spots. The problem is, by the time the officers leave, they just come right back. That's how they're getting around the enforcement. In fact, if anything, that sends the message to criminals or the people engaging in, in criminal behavior, public drug use and all that, that, uh, that if, if they're being met with tactics that don't actually even have a lasting effect of five or ten minutes, that is telling them, you know, nothing, nothing serious is going to be done if we continue this kind of thing in downtown. So why would they leave if they realize the most they're going to do is move me a couple of blocks, and as soon as they're gone, I walk back to where I was? That's almost worse than useless because it's telling the criminals it really is a, an anything-goes environment. Yeah, and, th and that's exactly why, again, during this first weekend in December, an important holiday weekend, especially for tourism and shopping, uh, the situation that just appears to be just getting worse. Uh, has, at the very least, we we're seeing that uh, they're emboldened to, to not do anything about it, and, and that's, that's the addicts who are just not moving. They're coming right back. That means their dealers are coming back because that's where the customers are. Has Seattle PD even increased the number of officers on the streets so there's more of a presence, or do they have the staff to actually get that done? Well, SPD is, is still down more than 600 officers. Uh, they're really not adding as many as they're losing. Uh, and right now, at least for the holiday season in the downtown core, there is much more of a police presence. You have some patrol cars, you know, parked at some of the corners. You have officers, bike patrols on foot. But again, this problematic area, the hotspots for open air drug use, sales of stolen goods, it just comes and goes in waves. And that's the problem. There's no a solution to permanently address this right now. So is there any plan to do anything more than they're doing right now, or is this the status quo for the foreseeable future, Jonathan? Yeah, look, this is the status quo for the foreseeable future until the new council takes over. I think there is a lot of hope in this new council that, you know, they're going to put in some, you know, new public policies that will really start addressing this, but will really start empowering the Seattle Police Department. But it's going to take years to change this culture, because that's really what it is. It is an embedded culture. Uh, the progressive activist council members, the foundation that they've laid, uh, the good people of Seattle are now dealing with. Well, I, I appreciate it. And you know the personalities better than I do on the new council. Are these people who said, we're going to try things that are dramatically different than the status quo? Or are these people who, who have the guts to do that? Well, I think all eyes will be on Bob Kettle. He is representing District 7. That's the downtown core where we're seeing a lot of these problems really concentrated. Um, he will be replacing Councilmember Andrew Lewis. All these incoming council members uh, ran on public safety, you know, plans for dealing with the homeless crisis. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But again, Bob Kettle says he's going to be much stronger 
Um, so we'll have to just, again, see how this transition goes. I hope his one vote makes the difference. That's Jonathan Cho, a journalist at the Discovery Institute in Seattle. Let's go to Dan in Oregon. Hey, Dan, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind today? Okay, naysayer about Joe Biden's crime. But before we start, can I just ask one question as a basic judge of integrity? You, you can ask two or three. Go ahead. Okay, who won the 2020 election? Uh, that would be Donald Trump. No, the numbers say differently. All 50 states say it in 60 cases. Say you're wrong. You're starting okay. off with a lie. You, you, but, but why would you, why, you, if you listen to the show, and it sounds like you do, you know my position on that, getting me to restate it to see if I change because my you're mind. you're lying. No, I'm not, and we can have a long debate about that, but I thought sure you we called can. in Who won on the 2020 else. election? I, I already told you. You want me to say it five more times? No, Trump, Joe Trump, Biden. Trump, Trump, Trump. The Trump. president. Okay, I so look. Lying, Dan, it's, lying, a long, lying. it's a long so argument. What is Joe Did, Biden's crime? Okay, high crimes and misdemeanors does not literally mean crimes. Do you understand? Oh, that? yes, I do. Okay, and so what he's doing, and my favorite quote that that uh, that tells you what high crimes and misdemeanors means comes from Alexander Hamilton. You think that's a pretty good source? Nope. You don't think so? He wrote Federalist sixty five. So he explains the impeachment process he was part of putting in the Constitution. You don't think he's I think a good you're source? you're going to use Alexander Hamilton's words to try to dodge the fact that you can't name a crime and no Republican name. Oh, I can name, name the crime. crime. Influence crime. peddling, bribery. When, I mean, I can name enough, but, but Dan. And when? Dan, when? you have to. It doesn't matter when. Do you know why it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter when. matter when, so if it never happened, as being it never happened, that No, I didn't matter. say never happened. I said it doesn't matter when. If he committed the crime before he became president, but we now understand that he sold influence to foreign countries, and he's now the president of the United States. Hold on, Dan, I'm going to finish what I'm saying, since you're, you're the guy who called in on one thing, changed the subject, didn't like the answer. Um, the fact is that Joe hey, Biden is deeply compromised to foreign countries, including communist China. So, Dan, you're saying that unless Joe Biden is guilty of an actual crime, you can't impeach him. Is that your argument? Isn't that the argument you guys gave for the impeachment of Donald no, Trump? No, not at all. No? I, what I said Nobody, was that no. what Trump did in the phone call to Ukraine was warning us about corruption in Ukraine involving the Biden crime family, which now we know all about. And in the second occasion, Donald Trump was accused of inciting a riot, except that even the DOJ didn't accuse him of inciting a riot. Here's what Hamilton said. The subjects of its jurisdiction are those offenses which proceed from the misconduct of public men, or in other words, from the abuse or the violation of the public trust. I think that fits Joe Biden and the Biden crime family to a T. I just wish Dan had come better prepared. And when you think Alexander Hamilton, the guy who was involved in writing it, uh, doesn't know what it means, well, then you give me a better source. I would su 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 suggest that you don't try using the Biden family. Back in a moment, it's Monday, and you've got the Radio Northwest Network. me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. 
For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com. View the videos and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Just think of him as your concealed carry. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. I want to tell you that, unfortunately, the Greens, meaning those people who believe that they have to wage war on the way that we power our society, every single kind of power, whether it's natural gas, gasoline, diesel, electricity, nuclear power, anything else, they have just scored a major win against natural gas in the Pacific Northwest. And I want to tell you about it because I think most of the mainstream media is not going to tell you about this. But first, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Monday and live on the Radio Northwest Network about to celebrate its 24th year of serving the Pacific Northwest. And our Twitter poll question today, or X, if you like to say it that way instead, should Congress force you to pay a Netflix tax? And if you want wonder, where is this idea coming from? Well, U.S. Senator Ron Wyden, who makes his home in New York City, living with his very wealthy wife in New York City, but claim, claims to represent the state of Oregon as a U.S. Senator, he's come up with the idea of a digital services tax, along with an Idaho Republican, Ron Crapo, and I don't understand that coming from Crapo. It doesn't make any sense to me. They want to have a tax just like Europe does on digital streaming services, things like streaming, digital software, music, advertising, and all of that. And that means that under Wyden's proposal, uh, according to the Taxpayers Association, you could end up paying taxes on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and Disney to provide streaming services to customers Wyden's rush, this is the way the Taxpayers Association puts it, to consider a tax on Netflix comes at a time of declining streaming customers and slow ad sales. Many streaming services like Disney Plus have not even recorded one single year of making profit since they were created. And all of a sudden, the government comes along and says, we're going to add a tax to those services. We may do that if Wyden's proposal is successful. And that'll mean even fewer customers. They will drive many of those businesses out of business. Now, when it comes to Disney, I'm not a big fan of Disney, but I want all private enterprises to succeed and having the government crush them with artificial unneeded taxes makes absolutely no sense to me. Now, you can answer today's Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Now, on Friday's poll, should states legally attack another state that provides protection of privacy in public bathrooms? In that case, I'm talking about the state of Idaho. This is last week's Twitter poll on Friday. And uh, what the state of Idaho had done was they said that in school restrooms and locker rooms, you should use the locker room of your birth gender. Meaning if you were born a boy, but you now imagine you're a girl, 
you still use the boys' room and the boys' locker room as well. Same thing for girls. And yet 21 states, including Oregon, Washington, California, and a few other blue states, 21 in all, have filed court briefs to try to challenge that law, even though the law does not affect their states. I think they've got no business doing it. So should a state attack another state that provides protection of privacy in public bathrooms, 92% of you joined me in a no vote. Only 8% of you said yes to that crazy idea. Now, let me tell you about the win that the Greens just scored against natural gas. And I've been warning you that this is coming. You're going to end up with very few choices. So last week, the Washington State Building Codes Council voted to require heat pumps in new homes by raising efficiency standards so that only a heat pump can satisfy them. Now, do you know what they did? It was very sneaky because a lot of us have been warning you that a ban on use of natural gas was on its way, except they're going to do it in a way that you can't actually say it was a ban. They can merely say, we haven't banned natural gas furnaces or water heaters or stoves. All we've said is, if you're going to put a heat source in a home, the heat source must be of a certain level of efficiency. And since they know that only the heat pumps can meet that level of efficiency, they've effectively banned natural gas without actually banning natural gas. Now, every year, the Washington Builds Code, uh, Building Codes Council has to have a meeting and they agree to new standards for the state. And they say the Building Code Council is actually directed by the legislature to ensure that our code gets more and more efficient, moving toward zero emissions by 2031, just seven years from now. This time around, the Code Council wanted to encourage heat pumps. Think about the way the government usually encourages things. They say, you're going to put a heat pump in your house. And you as a citizen say, no, I'd rather have a natural gas furnace. And they say, no, you're going to have a heat pump. And if you don't have a heat pump, we're going to make life very, very difficult for you. Uh, and it's going to be virtually impossible for you to install a natural gas furnace. And here's what they say. Heat pumps are really the top technology choice today because they're so efficient. They're three times more efficient than their gas counterparts. And they run on the state's clean electricity. Except that you have to pay attention to the fact this region is already running short of power. Now, what source do I cite on that? The Northwest Power Planning Council, which is a government, pseudo-government agency that makes sure that the, uh, uh, the uh, region has enough electric power because you can't do it state by state. The whole region is affected usually by dams and power plants that feed into the region. Now, what have they said? They've said, we're going to get rid of all the, all the uh, coal-burning plants, and they've succeeded in doing most of that. Then they're going to start off cutting off coal that comes from other states, coal-fired electricity. What's going to replace it? Well, so far, windmills and solar panels aren't doing it, and the Greens refuse to accept any other source of power. Just be prepared. If you only put a heat pump in your new home, what happens when the power goes out? You're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated. 
But the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Quiet, please. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved Republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Monday. Always glad to get to your phone calls and your emails. Uh, I want to talk to our friend, Dr. Eric Fruits. He's vice president of research at Cascade Policy Institute. And it's about something that I've warned you about plenty of times, that wind and solar in no way, shape, or form is going to be able to replace the power that's being abandoned. And I mean abandoned by the region. Uh, as Oregon and Washington say, we don't want to have coal. So we're getting rid of the plants within the states of Oregon and Washington. Boardman and I think Centralia One are good examples of that. But then there's a lot of power that comes from outside the region. And the Greens don't want to use that either. But they say, when you ask them, well, what are you going to replace it with? They They don't know. And it's becoming very clear that the chance of a, uh, uh, the, the, they call it loss of load probability, which was supposed to be held below 5% and was you, you routinely at about 2% chance of loss of load probability, meaning the lights go out. Um, that's now up higher than that. It's actually eclipsed the 5% limit. I think it's around 7 and it may go as high as 30 within the next 10 years or so. So, Dr. Eric Fruits, welcome back to the program. Hold on a second. There we go. Dr. Fruits, welcome back. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. Great to be you here. You bet. Now, now tell me, anything I just said that I'm leading my audience astray by saying we are, number one, we have a fragile grid. Number two, supply may not be as certain as it, as it should be, uh, as it's designed to be. And number three, that as we push further into shutting down coal plants and turning off uh, sources of coal power from Wyoming and other Montana and other states that we're going to get the situation is going to get more and more dire. Yes, yes, and, and there's one other thing that you missed, and that is the fact that uh, in 2021 the Oregon legislature essentially banned any new natural gas facilities. So we're on phasing out whatever natural gas generating we have now, and you cannot have any new natural gas. So bringing down coal getting rid of natural gas, and I don't know if you saw recently in the paper that now it's looking more and more likely that uh, the feds are going to rip out uh, four hydroelectric dams on the Snake River. So even the hydroelectric is going to have uh, diminished resources. Yeah, in fact, in that was the story that, that apparently behind closed doors uh, negotiations to settle lawsuits with a bunch of green groups have the Biden administration saying, hey, would you be happy if we just tore the dams out? And they may make this deal without the benefit of our of our representatives in Congress. 
Yes, yes. It's what uh, the environmentalists like to call the sue and settle strategy. So the idea is you sue and you, you threaten that there's going to be some really bad outcome if you lose the trial, and so then they get the settlement. And in this case, it, it may work out in this case that the settlement is is that uh, several dams are going to get ripped out, and those dams generate hydroelectric power, which is you know one of the biggest sources for power. If we didn't have hydroelectric in the Northwest, we would be in really bad shape. Well, and in fact, um, in, in fact, uh, I think the Snake River dams account for about 8% of the region's power. And I know when people hear 8%, it's no big deal. Unless, of course, demand goes to 101% and you've lost 8 and you only have 92. I can do the math on that one. It means you're going to be cold and in the dark. Well, that's right. And the other side, so you're, you're ripping stuff out, so you're reducing your supply. But at the same time, we have this huge pressure to increase demand just from natural uh, growth and population and the economy, you have an increase, but also you have this, this, this move to what I call electrify everything, right? We all want to, we want to make everyone drive electric cars. We want to get rid of our gas furnaces and replace them with electric furnaces or heat pumps. We want to get rid of the gas stoves. And so we want to electrify everything. And that, and if they, if their dreams come true, the demand is going to increase at a time where our supply is decreasing. And that's just a formula for having a shortage at some point down the line. And okay, the so, funny thing about these shortages is they always occur when you don't want them to. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And, in fact, I want you to talk about the details of that. But one other thing in terms of uh, we're always told that alternative forms of energy are going to be superior. So when they announced we're going to close down the Boardman coal-fired electric plant, even though it had at least another 20 years of life in it, it was like a cash for clunkers applied to the electric grid. So they shut down a plant that was perfectly good and was operating, and they say, but we're going to replace it with a biomass plant. How did that experiment work out? Well, that's right. That doesn't work out. And then you look at things like wind, which I'm sure you've talked about before, right? The wind isn't always blowing, and you can have stretches for days on end where there is virtually no wind generating wind impact. And then you've got solar, which is, you know, if you uh, if you go to bed at night, you notice that the sun's not out, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. Plus, you know, if you drive from Salem to Portland, you'll hit this line that says, oh, now you've crossed the 45th parallel, right? <laughs> We're closer to the Arctic Circle than we are to the equator, which means we don't get as much sun as a lot of other places. Well, and... And and you've got the storage problem. Plus, Dr. Fruits, I've compared this, you know, solar and wind because the wind only blows a third of every day and the sun only shines about a third of every day year round. I've compared it to buying a car that I can only drive on Monday and Wednesday. And then I have to buy a second car for Tuesdays and Thursdays and a third car for Wednesdays and Saturdays. And I have to stay home on Sundays because each one can only be used a third of the time. Nobody would buy automobiles that way. And yet, if you want to get, say, five average megawatts out of solar, you're going to have to build 15, aren't you? Well, that's right. And you'll probably have to have some sort of backup that's probably something like a natural gas or coal or hydroelectric. But natural gas is illegal, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. And the funny thing about the cars is if you're really interested in electric cars, you know, start reading about what's known as bidirectional charging. So, right, you plug your car in, it charges it up. Well, with bidirectional charging, the, the power company could say, oh, we really need electricity. We're going to suck it out of your car and put it into the grid. And we promise and, we'll know, put it back later, right? 
Yeah, but it doesn't do you much good. If your car's dead and you need to get out of get out of Dodge <laughs> or whatever. No, and, and do you think uh, some of that is going to be hardwired into the, the charging schemes? So they say, well, well, we have this great charger for your house, but it does work two ways, and you have to agree to let us use your battery as backup. Well, I wouldn't put it past them, right? You know, because you, you probably recall, too, that the Biden administration has been pushing for what they call the, the kill switch, right? The idea that yep. somehow or another... Like Uncle Sam can can be sitting there in D.C. and decide for whatever reason he wants to just shut down all the cars. Uh, I mean, that's or, that's or turn of off all the air conditioners. Is, Dr. Fruits, yeah. last thing for my audience for today, anyway. How likely are we to face shortage and actual blackouts, uh, uh, periodic or hours long or whatever, in the next few few uh, years? In the next few years, it looks like it's upping to it some having some sort of lengthy power outage. You know, several hours of the the chance of that, several hours or more, uh, chance of that being probably over twenty percent. The thing is, like I said, it always happens when you don't want it to. So, you know, if we have a really mild winter, it may not happen this winter. But if you get something like that storm we had last February, you know, that's when you can lose the power, right? And not only do you have a lot of demand on the system. Uh, but you may not have the supply coming in, and you also have on top of that power line. Absolutely right. That's Dr. Eric Fruits, the Vice President of Research at Cascade Policy. Coming up in a moment, what happens when the guy who's heading up the latest big climate change conference says, no, you, we're not going to send you back to caves. We're not going to do that. We'll get to that next. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. To create a care plan and check in with you between visits, keeping you on track and helping you with your health goals so you can spend more time doing what you love. If you have Medicare, ask your doctor about chronic care management services and get the connected care you need. For more information, visit Medicare.gov and search for chronic care management. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, I'm Jeff Corwin. Founded in 1877, American Humane is dedicated to the idea that all animals are entitled to humane treatment. Today, endangered species are experiencing a better quality of life because of the ethical, science-based standards established by American Humane. Teach your kids the importance of wildlife conservation by visiting humane-certified zoos and aquariums. To learn more, visit AmericanHumane.org. Brought to you by American Humane.
things you wish you could say. More with lies. Welcome back. I've been very clear about my position. This is wrong. And you're asking for a phase out of fossil fuel. Please help me. Show me a roadmap for a phase out of fossil fuel that will allow, that will allow for socio, for sustainable socio-economic development. Unless you want to take the world back into caves. Now, you know who that is? That's Sultan Al-Jabbar. And Sultan Al-Jabbar happens to be the president of COP28. Now, if you've been hearing about COP28, it's this giant climate conference. It's going on for almost two weeks. And, of course, most of the participants, people like John Kerry and others, they fly in in their private jets fueled by fossil fuels, and then they all sit around and come up with new ideas to cut the rest of us off from use of fossil fuels. Well, finally, the president of the organization, COP28 this year, Sultan Al-Jabbar, has said there is no science that indicates a phase-out of fossil fuels is needed to restrict global heating because that's exactly what COP28 is all about, is they want to tell all the developed countries, mostly the United States, uh, that you're going to have to cut back on your lifestyle, you're going to have to cut back on your power generation. Meanwhile, the biggest single polluter, if you consider CO2 pollution, I don't. I think it's plant food. But if you're worried about CO2 in the air, the United States has not been the number one contributor for a good long time. Who is? Well, that would be communist China. And is communist China still building coal-fired electric plants? They sure are, because they understand that have a modern industrialized society, which is what China wants to get to, that they want to generate the power they need to run that society. And they understand that even though they're the biggest uh, maker of windmills and solar panels on the planet, that is not going to provide the kind of energy that a country like China needs. So China's plan is to tell the United States and other countries, you have to cut back on your CO2 emissions while we continue to increase our CO2 emissions for a good long time. So am I glad to see a guy like Sultan Al-Jabbar heading up COP28 saying, and I want you to hear what he said because it really is kind of extraordinary. And apparently some of the other people at this conference, they are very unhappy that the guy who is this year's president of COP28 is talking the way he is. Take a listen again. I've been very clear about my position. This is wrong. And you're asking for a phase out of fossil fuel. Please help me show me a roadmap for a phase out of fossil fuel that will allow, that will allow for socio, for sustainable socio-economic development. Unless you want to take the world back into caves. No. Now, now, back into caves. And, of course, the moderator of this, a lady by the name of Mary Robinson, she's chair of what's called the Elders Group, and she's a former U.N. Special Envoy for Climate Change. Uh, she was asking the questions. He was giving the answers. He is also the chief executive of United Arab Emirates State Oil Company called ADNOC, which many observers say is a serious conflict of interest. So... Do you let COP28 tell the developed countries uh, you can't use fossil fuels? And then do you lock out anybody in leadership who has any connection to oil? Because Joe Biden has a connection to oil. And Vladimir Putin has a connection to oil. And even in China, they have a connection to oil. Even though they don't produce much oil, they have to buy it from the rest of the planet. So COP28's answer is, we're going to make the rules. And the people who actually know what they're talking about, like this guy, who says... Show me the plan. If you don't have a plan, you're going to send us all back to the caves. And I think that's absolutely crazy.
Glad to be with you and always glad to take your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And, of course, naysayers always go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Vote in our Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show on X, if you want to call it that, or on our website at LarsLarson.com. Let's go first to Carl. Hey, Carl, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hello, am I still there? Yes, sir. Carl, what's on your mind? Oh, all right. Um, I was just, you, you brought up a little bit ago about the Netflix wanting to be charged now, attacked. No, they don't want to be charged. There's a U, there are a couple of U.S. senators, one Republican and one Democrat, who said we should have a tax on digital services, which would include Amazon Prime, it would include Netflix, Hulu, uh, uh, Disney Plus and other streaming services, many of which uh, are not making any money at all. So, of course, the government would tax them right out of existence is what it sounds like to me. Or they'd have to raise their price and, and I would pay it. But Well, the, you would, but Carl, Carl, do you understand there's a concept that isn't that hard to wrap your head around? Um, do you go to any local restaurants? Yes. Okay. And if you go for breakfast, what's breakfast set you back? Ten bucks. Okay, why don't they raise it to 15 and make 50% more money? Then you wouldn't go. Then you wouldn't go. And usually, if you were to increase your price from 10 bucks for breakfast to 15, you'd make 50, you'd take in 50% more and you'd probably lose 60 or 70% of your customers. And every business exactly. knows that. If they thought they could raise the price to 11 bucks, they'd do it tomorrow because they, they want to make more money. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to legitimately earn more money. But they also understand you can only push the prices so high. So if the government says we're going to put a tax on Netflix and the tax is a certain percent, Netflix knows to a certainty that a lot of their customers are going to say, okay, that's too much, and they cancel altogether, which, can't, which you know, for the, the tax that might be collected, they're wiping out 100% of the income from that customer. And all of those companies know that. I believe that's happened with eBay, thanks to this who used to be able to make up to $20,000 on eBay, and then if you're supposed to pay tax, they dropped it to 600 Well, the only reason I ever used eBay for was for my hobby, so I could buy more hobby stuff. Well, well check, uh, check this that. out, Carl. The, the, the they that did that was the IRS under Joe Biden, because they decided yeah. to change the standard and say it was 20000 uh, and below that, we're not going to bother you. And now they say it's 600 bucks. Carl, if you had two garage sales a year, one in the spring and one in the fall, do you think you might net $600 in revenue from two good garage sales? That's about all of it, yes. And you're going to have the IRS down on you, and they're going to say, where'd you get this $600 and why didn't you pay taxes on it? And if you say it because it was me selling my own stuff, and, and I bought it years ago, and now I'm selling it in a garage sale, you're going to have some of those 80,000 new agents that Joe Biden wanted to have. They're going to be all over you demanding that you document those things. Well, you know, Carl, I've had garage sales, too. If I take a shovel that I bought 15 years ago for $30 and I sell it for $5 at a garage sale, and all of a sudden the IRS is on top of me saying, where's the receipt for the shovel that you say you bought 15 years from ago? And I'm going to say, I didn't keep a, a receipt for a shovel I bought. 
And they say, well, then you're going to pay taxes and you'll pay up to 20 percent uh, on the money you made. So you make 600. The IRS wants wants 120 bucks. But I, and, the, and the kicker on that is I've already paid taxes on that. Yep. Yeah, you've Whatever already paid taxes on it, and then when you sell it to get your money back out of it because you don't need it anymore, all of a sudden, Joe Biden's new 80,000 IRS agents, they haven't hired all of them yet, but they plan to, are going to be down there auditing every single thing you do. And when they said, oh, we're only going to be going after the rich people, rich people don't have $600 garage sales. Carl, thanks for the call. Back in a moment, 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Check out our Instagram feed at Tell Alexa to play the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. 100% of your donation goes directly to game-changing research. 100%. Donate at v.org because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory don't give up don't ever give up smart lights smart locks smart thermostats you love your new connected technology and the consumer technology association wants to help you protect the security of your devices first don't use default or easy to guess passwords create unique ones and keep them safe Next, look for and install security updates from device manufacturers. Also, have an active firewall for your home router. And consider using a professional installer to set up your new devices. Easy tips from the Consumer Technology Association to help keep your devices secure. informed and always guessing what he'll say next here's lars larson welcome back to the lars larson show it's a pleasure to be with you and i'm glad to get to your phone calls and emails in a moment but i want to talk to our old friend senator john bro who represented louisiana from 1987 all the way to 2005 but he's still in the fight and i wanted to talk to him about a supreme court uh, hearing that's coming up tomorrow john our uh, senator welcome back oh glad to be back with you lars yeah it's a big day tomorrow yeah, it is. And I want you to make this understandable for my audience. What the government, some people in the government would like to do is is tax what's called unrealized income, which I've always imagined as you you buy 10 shares of some stock, you know, that that's, you know, Apple or you know 10 shares of Apple would be a lot, but 10 shares of Microsoft or 10 shares of Boeing or whatever. And then when you if they go up in value and you sell it, you had a gain. But but the government wants to consider you having the gain even before you sold the stock? That's exactly, Lars, you hit it on the head. That's exactly what the issue is before the U.S. Supreme Court tomorrow. Uh, the people that we represent, the Moors, had invested in a company over in India that made farm equipment, and the company made a profit, but they put all the money back into the company. They didn't give any of it, didn't distribute it to the Moors, and yet the federal government said that they would owe taxes on the profit that the company made, even though they didn't get a nickel. They didn't get a dime. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just of the opinion that, you know, everybody ought to pay their fair taxes on the income that they have, but they have to have the income before they can be required to pay a tax on it. And they didn't never, they didn't never get a, a nickel from income from the company. 
Well, and, and income has to come in before it becomes income, doesn't it? Uh, although that's probably not a good legal argument. Uh, how in the world does the government make the case that you had income when you didn't get a single dime in a check? Well, you're exactly right. You, uh, the Constitution, uh, uh, when it was amended back in 1913, uh, the 16th Amendment, said that the federal government could collect taxes on uh, gains that are derived from various sources. And if you haven't received a nickel, you haven't derived any income. And yet they're saying that, well, uh, you could in the future, but yeah, in the future, if I do, I'll pay taxes on it. And ultimately, uh, the, when the Moors did sell their stock much later, they paid taxes on the income that they made. But what they're trying to do now is to tax income that they never, that they never received. And that, we think that's fundamentally wrong. It's unenforceable. Uh, what would you have? The IRS come into uh, people's property and uh, look at their assets and say, well, you could sell this for X amount of money, and we're going to tax you on what that increase might be. It would be a guess tax. You'd be guessing what you could sell it for. And we just think it's fundamentally wrong and unconstitutional. I'm talking to John Bro. He was in the U.S. Senate representing Louisiana from 87 to 05. He was also a member of the lower chamber uh, from 72 to 87, but I'm not uh, sure. I mean, once you get to the upper chamber, you don't, you don't want to admit that you were ever in the lower chamber? Well, I tell you what, we've been fighting about that. We thought that the Senate was out of touch when we were in the House, and then when we got to the Senate, we thought the House was out of touch, <laughs> and maybe they both were. I guess one of the key features here, John, I know this is about a particular case involving the Moors, but you know that there are efforts going on right now where there are members, most of them Democrats, who say we want to be able to tax unrealized gains, and they want to apply that to, to, to average Americans, say, well, you've, you've got a house. Uh, you bought it for $300,000. I know you can buy less expensive houses down in parts of Louisiana. Uh, and now it's worth $400,000. We'd like the taxes on the $100,000 you've gained. And you say, I haven't sold the house yet. They, they would like to be able to tax those gains as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, they're not really gains. I mean, it's a, it's a potential gain, sure. But, I mean, until you actually sell the property and make a profit, you have no income. And that's what I think is so dangerous about this proposition. And, and we just think the Supreme Court decision uh, hopefully declares that concept unconstitutional. And, look, our group that we're working with thinks everybody should pay their fair share. Uh, and there are about $680 billion of money that's not collected that is, are laws on the books that are constitutional through tax avoidance. Or there are ways to raise revenue if you need it. But you can't do it in an unconstitutional uh, fashion like this would be. Well, and they got 80,000 new IRS agents, or they will have 80,000, except certain people seem to be immune from those taxes. I mean, like those whose names uh, include Biden, like Hunter Biden. You know, what, what does it say to the American public when we find out that if your name is Hunter Biden, you don't have to pay, uh, you don't have to pay your taxes and they're not going to prosecute you? Well, my, you know, our position is everybody should pay their fair share no matter who they are or what they do or where they live. But nobody should be required to pay more than they owe. I think American people have the right to make sure that the IRS only levies taxes that are legal. And you should use every uh, part of the law that allows you to reduce your taxes as much as you possibly can. 
That's legal. That's what people should do. Uh, but no matter where they are or what position they happen to hold, they should pay their fair share. Well, and Senator, the other detail that I've been asked a thousand times, and I've never got a definitive answer, and that is, so I buy some stock for a hundred dollars, and now it's worth a hundred and fifty. So the IRS collects a tax from me under this unrealized gains nonsense, and then next year the value of the stock goes to ninety bucks. Does the IRS give me my money back because my unrealized gain just just evaporated? Yeah, your gain becomes a loss, and they actually would. And so that would be an interesting proposition. That's what I was saying about how unenforceable this whole proposition is. You'd have IRS agents running around all over the place to determine what the value of your assets happen to be. But if but it sounds sounds like you're a popular guy these days, Senator. But but if you're in Louisiana and you've got a farm, and and say you 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 hand it to your kids, and the farm's worth a million bucks. The IRS is going to walk in and say, we, we want to have taxes on all that because you just gained a million dollars. That sounds like it would well, destroy a lot of small business and a lot of farms. Well, you'd have to probably sell your property in order to pay the taxes because nobody has that kind of money just sitting around. Now, the people who want to do something like this talk about how it's only going to apply to very, very wealthy people. But you, know, you go back to history when they passed the income tax. <laughs> In 1913, it only applied to about 1% of the people. Now it applies to over 60% of all Americans pay income taxes. So they start small and get big, and that's the, the history of the tax provisions. Isn't that the truth? Because didn't it apply to anybody who made, what, more than $3,000 a year, which at the time was a stratospheric income? Yeah, that, that's about it. But it went up and up and up, and now it's almost 60. It's over 60% of the people end up having to pay it now. It was less than 1% when it first started off in 1913, but today it's uh, roughly 60% of all households are subject to the federal income tax, and, you know, taxes go up. They don't normally go down. No, they don't ever go down. Senator, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Good luck to your clients tomorrow in the oral arguments. I'll be anxious to see what the government is going to argue in terms of why they're allowed to tax money that you never actually got. All right, I like it. Let's uh, let's talk again. Thanks very much. That's Senator John Bro. He's no longer in the U.S. Senate, but he represented the great state of Louisiana until 2005. He was in the House of Representatives before that. I'd love to hear any ordinary citizen who thinks that we ought to put a tax on real on gains that somebody has on paper that they ha haven't actually received in their hot little hands in the form of a check or cash or anything else. Should the IRS be able to tax you on unrealized gains? If you want to dial into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's right here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. And naysayers always go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show. And you're listening to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. 
So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. When you're not around, reinforcing your messages with your kids and alerting you to warning signs of underage drinking or other substance use. So talk with your kids about these issues and involve the members of your community to help keep your kids safe. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit talktheyhearyou.samhsa.gov. An important message from Medicare. Managing two or more chronic conditions like high blood pressure or diabetes can be overwhelming. But with chronic care management services, you can get the connected care you need. Your doctor can help create a care plan and connect the dots between your appointments so you can spend more time doing what you love. If you have Medicare, ask your doctor about chronic care management services. Visit Medicare.gov and search for chronic care management. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your calls. I got this email before I go to calls on a naysayer. John writes in, Lars, I agree with you that Joe Biden is dirty. I think that most people want to see the receipts for more than three months of less than $2,000 a month to get riled up. Unless millions or tens of millions are proven, low-information folks not paying attention might begin doing so. Bill was impeached one time, Donald two times for nothing. Neither went on to the Senate for conviction, so it's just the new, you got our guy, we're getting yours. John, I would respectfully disagree with you. In this case, Joe Biden's criminal family, the House Oversight Committee, can prove got $24 million in total. And it went to people like James Biden and Hunter Biden and other members of the Biden family and to Joe Biden himself. $24 million. And if you say, well, Joe didn't get all of it, what were they selling? They were selling Joe Biden's influence. That is the high crimes and misdemeanors required by the Constitution for impeachment. Now, I love naysayers on the program. And if you want to be a naysayer or just call, it's 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Mike, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hi, Lars. You keep talking about how wind and solar only operate about one-third of the day. Correct. So you need three times the amount to get the power you need. Correct. That doesn't work. Only if you had some way of storing that power when the, the wind and solar is working, 
Well, that that's but another is, problem. But Mike, Mike, there's if, no, if, there's no. Let me finish. There is okay. no way to uh, to solve, or to no economic way to save that power. If you uh, had but three hold times on, Mike, you skipped, you skipped the a step, blowing, Mike. You're, you're still getting zero, Mike. You've skipped a step. Here's why. Let's say I have a coal a coal fired electric plant, and the output of the coal fired electric plant is say 50 megawatts. Now, that means I get 50 megawatts every single minute that plant is operating. If it runs 24 hours a day, I get 50 megawatts 24 hours a day. Then I say, well, I want to replace it with windmills, which I think are now at about 2 megawatts each. So you say, well, you only need 25 of them to get 50 megawatts of wind. The problem is the wind doesn't blow but one-third of the day. So where my coal plant is generating 50 megawatts 24 hours a day, my windmills, if I get one, if I get 25 of them, will generate 50 megawatts when the wind is blowing an average of one-third of the day. How do I get 50 megawatts for the other 16 hours a day, Mike? Even if you assume you no, can create... No, I'm, I'm saying that having three times the... Having 150 megawatts in solar and wind isn't going to do you any good I, when the I power, agree with you when the on wind's that. not blowing. Mike, I so agree with you on that, but, but the first problem to solve is this. If I have a need, I need 50 megawatts of power. Okay, Lars, you can have this coal plant. It generates 50 megawatts 24 hours a day. I said, what's my alternative? What if I want wind? And they say, well, here are some windmills. They generate 50 megawatts too. And I said, but they only do it one-third of the day. Even assuming, and they're assuming you're going to solve the storage problem at some point through pump storage, through battery storage, and there are some crazy schemes there as well. Even if you solve the storage problem, when 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 25 windmills generate 50 megawatts, and they only do it an average of eight hours a day, I'm going to need three times as many windmills. I'm going to need 150 megawatts of windmills to equal a 50 megawatt coal plant, even if you solve the, the storage problem. And you're right. The storage problem has to be solved, but there's no way to get there. But say you could solve the storage problem today, Mike. So So you take the coal plant that's generating 50 megawatts 24 hours a day, and you take the windmills or the solar panels that generate 50 megawatts eight hours of the day, even if you had the storage problem solved today, you need three times as many windmills or three times as many solar panels. Yes, and and I don't think we should get rid of the 50 megawatt coal plant. But they are. They're doing it right now. Mike, you don't think so? But no, no, Mike, they're already see, doing it. Overbuilding solar and power isn't going to do us any good. I agree with you there, but Mike, when you say you don't think we should get rid of the coal plants, they've already shut down board. We ought to be uh, so we ought to be suing the Northwest Power Planning Council to make make. They're not the ones who are making the decisions, Mike. Property. We ought to be suing the government to Mike to who do you want to sue because the power we need, Mike. Do you want to sue the state legislature? Because the state, it's the state of Oregon, state of Washington, and their legislatures that made these decisions, not the Northwest Power Planning Council. The legislature, like, like was mentioned by my guest, Dr. Fruits, the state legislature in Oregon, they knew that natural gas was going to be one of the backups, you know, the one of the possibilities to go to when solar and wind fail. So the state of Oregon said, you may not build any new natural gas generators. So, Mike, out of the options you've got, uh, do you want to dam some rivers? That's not likely. Do you want to build nuclear power plants? 
that's actually illegal in the state of Oregon. It's not illegal in the state of Washington, but it's not likely to happen. So what are you going to replace all the power that we're losing by tearing out dams and shutting down coal plants? And we ought to be suing the environmentalists, the, the state governments, to provide the power we need. We shouldn't be laying down and taking what they're trying to undermine our needs with pie in the sky. I agree with you, but the problem is, as the great Barack Hussein Obama once said, elections have consequences. And when you send liberal Democrats to Salem and Olympia, this is where you end up, in the dark. The Lawrence Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. You ready for the big soap? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live and now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lawrence Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails, and we'll do that in just a moment at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. You can send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll, or X poll, if you want to call it that. You'll find the question at Lars Larson Show, and on our website at LarsLarson.com. Now, I will tell you that over the years, I've had any number of conservative friends uh, try to go and give a speech on an American public university or college campus. And routinely, the students on the campus will set up and they will decide we're going to drive this person away because they can't stand to hear somebody speak if that somebody disagrees with their point of view. Well, that's just happened to another friend of mine, Ari Hoffman, who's host of the Ari Hoffman Show on Seattle affiliate KVI, great affiliate for the Lars Larson Show. And, of course, it's a pleasure to welcome to the program the man who's been described by his critics among the, uh, I guess, the pro-Israel, pro-Hamas terrorist crowd as an evil Islamophobic racist. And with that introduction, Ari, welcome. Well, that's such a high praise. Thanks so much, <laughs> Lars. How you doing? Hey, if you're being called names like that by people like that, I'd wear it as a badge of honor. Well, that's why I got my new profile over on Twitter. It says Zionist aggressor because that's now what they're calling me. So that's <laughs> that's part of the mantra now. 
Well, I like to remind, Ari is Jewish, I'm Christian, I'm a Protestant Christian, but I like to remind my Christian friends, when you hear that term Zionist, understand what it means. It, it means you believe in the creation of the state of Israel and the continuation of the state of Israel, and that before the existence of the state of Israel, and even during at some points during its existence, Christians and Jews couldn't even walk through all of the old city of Jerusalem, which I, I think that's, uh, that's, that's wrong. I mean, we should all have access to it today. Uh, under the state of Israel, that whole city is open to everybody. Is is Islam, you know, Muslim, uh, Jew, Christian, uh, or even atheists. I mean, atheists are even welcome in the old city. Wouldn't be that way when the Muslims take back over, which seems to be the aim of these Palestinians. And they didn't want you to talk on campus at uh, UNC, did they? No, they really didn't. Now, to the school's credit, the dean showed up, and there was security all over the place because they were worried about what was going to happen. So unlike University of Washington, that at least was a step in the right direction. But when I got there, the kid from Turning Point USA who was coordinating the thing said, hey, instead of coming in the front door, can you go to the parking garage and come up to the top level? There's a cross, there's a walkway to the building. And I thought to myself, oh, I know what's going on. But sure, I went up there. And as we're walking across, this thing goes over the courtyard. You look down, there's 100 Palestinian, pro-Palestinian, and pro-Hamas protesters down there chanting all the usual stuff, you know, calls for Jewish genocide, et cetera, et cetera. When we actually went to the room itself, about 50 of them lined the hallways with red paint on their hands and all their faces covered, wearing Hamas kafias and all these other signs, trying to intimidate people from coming to my talk. And then they entered the room, sat there, heckled me during my speech, and then had an organized walkout during that. A few of them stayed for questions, but the ones who stayed for questions, most of them were just there to yell at me. Well, a couple of them wanted to actually have a dialogue where they thought they could trip me up, and of course they couldn't. But this is what it is on college campuses. And uh, you got to think about this for a second, Lars. I saw a lot of the same kind of kids who are probably involved in the 2020 BLM nonsense. But in yep. addition to that, you're also looking at now these kids who are foreign students who come to this country, want to use it for everything, and let's not forget, they hate America as much as they hate Israel. In fact, probably a little bit more. So what is going to happen to Israel is what's going to happen to America, and we're letting this in our universities. Nobody says you are entitled to an American college education, especially if you're not an American citizen. But for some reason, it's become the thing around here where whoever wants one, just come have one. So you're, you're telling my audience, and I agree with you, that we're getting fair warning, and what we do with that warning is up to us. Do we listen to it and say, we don't want to end up like Europe, we don't want to end up like, like France, with places in the country that are simply literally no-go zones, and, and where you're not allowed free speech, you're not allowed to freely practice your faith, uh, because that's apparently what, what they're angling for. Well, it's even more than that, Lars. Not only are they angling for that, but there's an organized effort to make it happen. So when I went to that college campus, their signs, their banners, everything were identical, identical to the ones that I saw at the University of Washington. Now, how can that be the same? It's not just the slogans. It's not just the chants. But there are various pro-Hamas organizations out there, including like CARE and other maps, a few of those like the Council for American Islamic Relations, where they have activists who are pushing these things. A lot of these school walkouts that you saw in Seattle Public Schools over the last couple of weeks, a lot of the people pushing them are affiliated with CARE. Now, they try to keep CARE's name off these things, but somebody's got to be funding this. Somebody's got to be providing the templates. I used to do a lot of work in Jewish outreach 
for public school kids, Jewish kids. We would run like Hanukkah parties at the schools and such. And we had templates that we followed that came from our national organization for the Hanukkah party or for the Purim party or for Passover, whatever the case may be. These guys are following templates from whoever it is that are about taking down Israel, that are about taking down America, that are calling for genocide, they're all following the same ones. And there are three or four organizations, including the one that vandalized the New York Public Library and targeted the Rockefeller Christmas tree lighting ceremony, that are pushing these toolkits. And make no mistake about it, Jews and Christians are in this together. As you said, they want all of us not to have access to Israel, not to have access to Jerusalem, just like they did before the 1967 war. We couldn't even go to some of those parts. But I'll tell you something, Lars, there's a little bit of hope. The stuff we see on college campuses, the stuff we see on social media, isn't necessarily real life. My son is actually the announcer for his uh, local Jewish high school basketball games. So I went to the game the other night to help him out with some tech stuff. And while I was there, the Christian team they were playing brought flowers and brought a card for the Jewish school to express their solidarity with Israel. We're all really in this together, and that was beautiful. Because I, I, I don't know if you saw, there was a, heroic, a, a horrific story over the weekend about a, a, a witness who'd watched a young lady being taken hostage by Hamas, being raped and begging that they would kill her because they she knew she was going to be killed after that. Um, and they, she begged to have them shoot her because because they were basically raping her to death. And, and in the end, they did kill her. And this witness recounted the story. And our State Department today, you know, as joker Jake Sullivan comes out and says, yeah, we know why Hamas isn't releasing the women because things were done to those women that were not done to the men, and they don't want those women to be telling the story. And this is who these college kids are supporting, a terrorist organization that not only murders, not only commits acts of terror, but literally rapes women to death and, and then won't, won't release the hostages for fear that they might actually tell what happened to them. Exactly, and don't forget they've got backup from squad members like the Hamas representative or Hamas yeah. spokesperson, Pramila Jayapal. Yep. Right, you got people like that. I mean, with friends like that, who needs enemies? I mean, these are the people in the halls of Congress, and she's not alone. You got Jamal Bowman, AOC, Cory Bush, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, as I call them, the representatives from Gaza. Because what have they actually done for their own constituents? Nothing. And now, what's fascinating is the Democrats don't realize the monster they've created, or a whole bunch of Muslim leaders are meeting in Michigan, in Rashida Tlaib's district, if I'm not mistaken, which is a hotbed of this kind of activity, talk about abandoning Joe Biden. Exactly right. That's Ari Hoffman, my fellow talker from the city of Seattle. Back in just a moment, we got to talk about Joe Biden's horde of illegal aliens now being set up to vote in the state of New York. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com. 
view the videos, and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Student loan payments, reducing interest, debt consolidation, or even loan rehabilitation. Call 877-406-6322 or visit us online at studentloanhelp.org. Hey, can I have with anything? Yeah, I'm here for the minivan sale. Oh, that's actually just a bait and switch ad that we use to get you here to buy a more expensive vehicle. What? Um, I can get you a low monthly payment with hidden fees, you know, to exploit your ignorance. Or I could undervalue your trade-in. Let's go get that paperwork started. I've got a terrible deal for you. Don't you wish false ads and scams were this easy to spot? Test your advertising IQ. Go to bbbadtruth.org. Experienced attorneys at Oregon Gun Law are on your side. We can help if you've been denied a concealed handgun license or want to get your hunting rights restored. We have helped many individuals navigate the system to put the law to work for you. Contact us today at OregonGunLaw.com. You know, if we keep meeting like this, people are going to talk. Here's Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. I think that all of us who've been watching this massive horde of illegal aliens invade the United States at Joe Biden's invitation, we understand what at least part of the real agenda is. Joe Biden and the Democrat Party are running out of voters. They've had to cheat in elections, so they figured out we got to get a new crowd of voters, a crowd that is dependent on us, a crowd that is, uh, let's say, loyal to the Democrat Party for having opened up the door to let them illegally come into America. And then the next step is we need them to be able to vote. Now, when I've had people call the show and say, Lars, they're planning on these people, these illegal aliens, to be voters, I said, yes, they are. The only problem is going to be how are they going to get them able to vote? Because... If you're a green card, that is, you've actually come into America the legal way, you can't vote. You can once you become a citizen, but you have to come here legally. Then you have to spend about five years here. Then you take a test, you swear an oath, and you become a citizen. Then you can vote. Then you can run for office. So how do you quick, how do you quicken up that process? So you've got illegal aliens who can, in, in broad terms, never legalize their status in the United States. That's what the law says right now, that if you come into America illegally, the only way to legalize your status, doesn't matter how many forms you fill out, doesn't matter how many visits you have down to the immigration office, you can't legalize your status without going back home to your home country and then applying to enter America legally. And if you get deported, you may be locked out either for a time or forever to ever come back to America legally. So Joe Biden has millions of illegal aliens who've come into the United States in the last three years. And guess what we just found out yesterday? Representative Nicole Maliotakis, who is a Republican member of Congress uh, from New York City, Yesterday, she told she uh, explained how New York City is trying to stack the voter rolls to help the illegal aliens vote. Now, much of the media calls these people migrants. I guess generically they're migrants in that they're going from point A to point B. Anything that goes from point A to point B is a migrant. Usually they go back to point A at the end of their trip. 
but but in this case, they're coming here to America somewhat permanently. Well, guess what's happening at a Staten Island shelter where a lot of these illegal aliens are being sheltered? Well, they're being signed up for various kinds of uh, help from the city or from the state. But Maliotakis, joined by four other Staten Island Republicans, claims that a city contract with a nonprofit group that was hired to run the shelter includes a stipulation that voter registration forms are to be distributed to asylum seekers who are staying there. Now, is that legal? It's not. I mean, if you come into the United States illegally, you can't vote. You can't even vote if you come in legally and you've got a green card. You've got to wait till you become a citizen. Here's what Maliataka says. On page 50, 50 of this contract, there's an entire section dedicated to voter registration. Now, she held a press conference yesterday at a former Island Shores senior residence, which has now been turned into a migrant shelter. In fact, we've talked about uh, one of the veterans who was forced to move out of his senior residence to make way for the illegal aliens, because apparently Joe Biden's uh, uh, policies uh, say that illegal aliens take precedence even over American veterans. We believe this is the smoking gun that proves what we've been saying all along, said the congresswoman, that the city intends to register non-citizens to vote in elections. The contract with the organization's Homes for the Homeless to operate the shelter, well, they're running this former nursing home as a shelter for illegal aliens. The contract, which was obtained under a state freedom of information law request, includes a stipulation that the nonprofit shall provide and distribute voter registration forms to all persons, and they are to distribute them in both Spanish and Chinese. So figure that out. So, in any case, glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Let's go first to Ron. Hey, Ron, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Well, um, I don't know if this qualifies me. I told your producer I don't know if it qualifies me as an actual naysayer. But uh, I, in fact, was an illegal alien for 30 years, and I have my green card. I've had it for 15 years or more now. And I, uh, I did not have to return to uh, my country of origin to get my green card. How did you get it then? Because I've talked to at least half a dozen immigration lawyers, and I've asked them specifically, is there any way for somebody who has entered the country illegally to then legalize their status? And every single immigration lawyer I've ever talked to on that subject and members of Congress have said no. There's no way under the law right now to legalize your status. So how did you do it? So um, I t ended up contacting a guy, in, and I don't know if, you, if I can mention his name. He's, a, he's an immigration lawyer who probably is retired by now, but had an office down in Union Station. And he, he filed uh, for me. The, the way I ended up being illegal might have some impact on it. I came and what down was on the way? He's a... Well, I came down on a student visa in 1969, and uh, then and ended you overstayed up it. Uh, overstayed it, and ended up marrying a, a gal and, and uh, an American citizen. And, that may have uh, been the, that may have been the the dodge that got you in. Is if you marry an so, American citizen. Yeah, and and obviously had uh, several had three kids who are American citizens, um, but. Um, what 
the, the interesting way that I ended up getting legally uh, my green card uh, was a, a method called registry, which he said, if you do this, it has nothing to do with who you're married to or who your children are. This is, uh, if you can prove that you've continuously been in the United States since your initial entry and that you've been an upstanding citizen, you know, and, and not, not uh, violated, uh, committed felonies or anything like that, then it's irrelevant who you're married to or, or mm. who your family is. You can stay here legally. Does, do, and, now, uh, Ron, I got to ask you, since you now you've got you've got citizenship now. No, no. Green card. Green card. Do you ever plan to be a citizen? I don't know. I'm, I, in, in the sense that my, my certainly my kids and, and my wife have pushed me to do that. Um, I've, I've since remarried. I'm, I'm not married to the same I, I woman. Guess, even, I guess but, what I wonder about is how does that sound? It says. If you break the law and come in illegally, so you came in on a student visa, the minute you overstayed, you were breaking the law. And then, but it right. says if you can break the law long enough, then you can become a green card and get almost all the privileges of being an American citizen without actually becoming an American citizen. Does that strike you as sounding legitimate to you? Because it sounds fraudulent to me. Well, I, I don't know how fraudulent or legitimate it is. I was willing to go back to Canada, but it would obviously be I, I had a good job. I had a family down here, and, and I would have entered that way. But he said, I can do this so that you don't have to. Plus, I, I have to tell you, my personal opinion was I'm better for the United States. Uh, I, I could do the same thing that, that I'm doing up in Canada, and I would be a contributing citizen up there. I, would think I, I that, understand you know, that, and, I, and, I, and there may be many I, great I, people, but if you come to somebody else's country and you say, the first thing I'm going to do is break the laws of your country, I don't think that's a good way to start off as a U.S. citizen to say, I don't care about the laws, they don't apply to me. But, Ron, I appreciate a good naysayer call. Back in a moment, you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. He's the best investment in talk radio, and it's free. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. We know from the U.S. State Department that the State Department knows why the Hamas terrorist organization that still holds a lot of hostages is not releasing women from that group because the U.S. State Department has admitted out loud because those women have had things done to them. And Hamas, the terrorist organization, apparently is worried about its optics and its public perception so they don't want those women to be able to say well this is what happened to me while hamas was holding me uh, not only as a hostage against my will but then they did these things to me as well so i thought we'd talk to our friend rabbi yaakov menken who's managing director at the coalition for jewish values which is the largest rabbinic public policy organization in america rabbi welcome back and where do we head now with this conflict between uh, Israel and Hamas? And is Israel ever going to be able to wipe out this terrorist organization? I'm much more confident about Israel wiping out the terror organization Hamas. There is total unanimity in Israel about that happening. What I'm much more worried about or much more concerned about is the ability of the United States to recover a moral compass after so many students on so many campuses 
not only did they cheer, but National Students for Justice in Palestine declared themselves part of what you were just describing, part of not only the massacres, but the rapes and the mass beheadings and the burnings and everything else. Uh, and any so-called feminist organization that did not condemn Hamas after October 7 is actually not a feminist organization. They're Me Too, except for Jews or something like that. It's crazy what's going on. Well, and, and when I see members of Congress, especially the squad, and this Pramila Jayapal, a member of Congress from over the weekend, uh, was asked, will you condemn the rape of these women? And she immediately turned around and said, Israel's done a lot of bad things. And, and they said, no, no. I mean, even, even an outfit like CNN, the Chicken Noodle News Network, uh, was challenging her saying, you won't condemn the rape of women hostages? And she wouldn't. She refused to do it. Without, not without equivocation. Well, you right. cannot mention anti-Semitism unless you also mention the mythological concept of Islamophobia. Nobody has it out for months. There's such a thing in this country as xenophobia. But yeah. not a thing called Islamophobia, which is, again, this idea that people uniquely hate Muslims. Being afraid of Islamic terror is not a phobia. It's very real. And to demonize people... And to equivocate like that, to require because Israel committed mythological injustices, and then and they most of the time they are they're either exaggerated, taken out of context, straight out anti-Semitic nonsense, false narratives that justifies rapes. I'm sorry, that never works that way. Nobody justifies acts of barbarism and terror and rapes and hurting children unless the victims are Jews. That's called, we have a name for that. Moral equivalency. Rabbi, let me ask you about this, because one of the things I think the people in my business, media, have been failing to do is every time the Palestinians say, well, we want our own state. Well, your own state does not mean from the river to the sea, because that means you've got to wipe out another country to wit Israel. But on top of that, the Palestinians, so-called, have been offered their own state, as I understand the count, it goes all the way back to the 30s, the 1930s, before there ever was an Israel, and has gone all the way forward at least six different times they've been offered their own state. And they could have said, fine, we have our own state. And then the only question would be, can you get along with your neighbors? And if you decide to keep killing your neighbors, uh, then when your neighbors retaliate and, and extinguish you, then, then you take the punishment as a state. But they kind of get the best of both worlds because they say, we can commence acts of terrorism. The, the people of Gaza and the West Bank can say, the Palestinians anyway, can say, uh, oh, you can't blame us for what they did. They're acting as this, this, you know, this, this actor that's acting on its own. In the way, it, it, the only thing it really reminds me of was Sinn Féin and the IRA. The IRA would go out, blow up, and kill people. And then Sinn Féin, their legitimate arm, would come out and hold press conferences and run people for the British Parliament. In this case, you've got, you've got, uh, you know, Hamas that goes out and commits acts of terrorism. And everybody in the U.S. media says, well, you can't blame the people of Gaza for that. Except the people of Gaza were the ones who were walking out to spit on the body of a dead uh, young lady who had been raped and had her head cut off. And, and they're giving visual and, and definable support to that terrorism. I, I really have a problem with this whole concept, this nonsense of Gazan civilians and collective com, uh, punishment. Nobody talks about collective punishment, again, where the victims are Jews. 
the hostages that are being held are not only is it punishing civilians for what the government has supposedly done, and again, these rumored mythological crimes, but no matter how you do it, the idea that they're holding civilians, the idea that they're tormenting civilians, and they're tormenting their families back in Israel, all of that obscenity, nobody talks about that collective punishment. Nobody talks about the 400,000 people who cannot live in their homes right now in Israel because Hamas might fire a missile at their home right now because they target civilians, of course, routinely. But meanwhile, these so-called innocent Gazans, the people who drew maps so that Hamas knew where to go on October 7th, were civilians. The people who came after them and kidnapped people were civilians. People came after and and raped and murdered people were civilians. The people who found a guy who had escaped Hamas and was wandering around trying to get back to Israel, the Russian guy who was just released, yep. he said that he had escaped, and the people who found him and returned him to Hamas were civilians. So when you tell me the civilians get caught in the crossfire, I'm sorry. I mean, that's, that's what happens in any conflict. Happened much worse. Obama, the idea that Obama, again, would go after Israel when Obama himself in Iraq did much worse, please. And this mythological Palestinian people thingy, it's all an attempt to replace Israel. Why is it that the map of Palestine just happens to be the map of Israel? (laughs) That's that's some strange coincidence, ain't it? It's as if the whole people, the whole Palestinian people, was a mythological construct just to promote the old anti-Semitic canard that any Jewish property is stolen from somebody else. Hmm, wonder how that works. Now, i got to ask you, though, Rabbi, there's a political component to this. You know that Joe Biden is scared to death because Muslims are already organizing, saying we're you know, Muslim Americans are saying we're not going to vote for Joe. We're going to abandon him. And, and he's worried about that. And, and he's going to push back hard when Israel says we're going to go and finish the job with Hamas and, and wipe them out as a terrorist organization. You know they're going to end up with a lot of pushback from America. The question is, will they listen to it? You know, the anything-goes American super-leftist, LGBTQ, do everything, do every, everything you want, but we can't, we're not going to criticize the Muslims because the Muslims are our allies. And that started to dissolve where things like control of schools and teaching LGBTQ to school kids, you know, that's where it started to dissolve. Now it is completely falling apart. Because when it comes to Israel, those with a shred of moral decency understand that good and evil don't coexist in, in, in this situation. One side is the good, one side is the evil. You know, and so the decent American leftist, as it were, is, has on, finds themselves on one side and the squad is, is now planting themselves firmly on the other. It's going to hopefully, I mean, obviously, you want there to be a, a decent, a, a decency restored to American society across the board on these issues. But you're right. I mean, obviously, this is putting the whole left, the whole Democratic Party is in danger of fracturing right now. Absolutely. Rabbi Yaakov Menken from the Coalition for Jewish Values. Rabbi, thank you very much. Back in a moment, I'll get to your calls. Naysayers go right to the head of the line at 866-HEY-LARGE. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network.
I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Thinking Build Better Futures. We want to ensure that all of our kids have healthy meals every day. Thank you. Thank you for helping feed our kids. To learn more about ending child hunger in America, go to helpnokidhungry.org today. When you're making a decision as a consumer, the most important thing is trust, which is why the BBB is such an important tool. Sometimes a new company will generate a lot of buzz, but that doesn't mean they're trustworthy. There are places that pretend they're treating you like kings, while behind the scenes they're making you look like a clown. But with BBB, if you spot false advertising, they're there to help you blow the whistle. Or if you've got a complaint, file it with the BBB and they can actually help you get it resolved. Test your advertising IQ. Go to BBBAdTruth.org. No need to adjust your volume. He's just that loud. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. This segment of the show is brought to you by ProTech Power. I'll tell you what, the home generating folks at ProTech Power, make sure that your loved ones are safe when the power goes out. And believe me, we're at greater risk of it than we've ever been before in this region. Call 541-ONAGEN. That's 541-ONAGEN. Our Twitter poll today, should Congress force you to pay a Netflix tax? Now, it's not there yet, but apparently Ron Wyden, U.S. Senator uh, who claims to represent Oregon, lives in New York City, has been working with an Idaho Senator, Ron Crapo, on creating a digital services tax similar to the one in Europe right now. It would put a tax on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and Disney+. Plus. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Disney+, Plus, but many of those, including Disney+, Plus, haven't made any money at all. And yet the government says, but we want to put a tax on everything you do, which will be passed on to consumers. And in some cases, consumers will pay more. In some cases, consumers will say, then I'm not going to keep that streaming service anymore. It may actually kill some of the streaming services, all to put more money in the government's pocket. So you can find the question at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com, brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Let's go to uh, John. Hey, John, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind today? Yeah, hey, thanks, Lars. Yeah, um, uh, I listened to your interview with Ari earlier, and he was talking about foreign students who are here in the United States, um, you know, protesting against Israel and, um, you know, being uh, anti-American in a political way, demonstrably yeah. so. 
And it seems to me that um, a lot of these students here are, are here because of the Fulbright Scholarship Program. And so maybe what we need to do is take a, a close look at who we're letting in or what countries we're allowing students to come in from yep. and basically deny them access. Okay, I think I so, too. And, John, do you know what the basis is? I mean, if you're going to write a rule, you got to have some basis for the rule, right? And, uh -huh. uh, I mean, if, yeah. I, if I had a company that owned vehicles, I might say no personal use of the company's vehicles. That's pretty common. And, and you say, sure. what's the basis for that? Well, it's not my job to provide your transportation out of what you, outside of what you do for work. So there'd be right. a, a reason for the rule. If you said, if we're going to allow... Yeah, if you're going to allow, we're going to allow students to come into the United States to study, fine. First of all, you have to be coming from a country that is friendly to the United States. And you say, well, what does yeah. that mean? We say, well, we're not going to let people in from, say, China uh, or Russia. Right. Well, why not? Because why would you judge them based on the countries they're associated with? Make the idea that your kids have access to American universities to come here as students mm -hmm. something that your country wants to get. And if your country behaves badly, then the kids get cut off. I mean, you, right. in other words, you own part of where you're from. Yeah, that's true. Um, the idea, I think, originally was to um, give students an opportunity to get an education at, a, at, a, at a, an American school where education uh, was quality and also to have them introduced to the American system and way of life, uh, economics, et cetera, and bring that back to their own countries. But since American universities today seem to have become uh, propagandists uh, in an anti-American sort of way, there's no point in bringing people from other countries to, all, to have their views, I mean, from countries uh, alien to it or, or, or enemies to us, to have their views reinforced, if nothing else. Not to mention the fact that we have industrial development going on. We have research and development being done in universities. Some of that is being stolen and brought back in the form of Yes, it is, in, including, by the way, biological stuff that gets stolen from universities where they're actually taking physical property, uh, not the lab gear, but the, but the viruses and things like that, and bringing yeah. them back. And industrial processes where people get a, a degree, they get to work with private companies, and then they take the uh -huh. technology and take it right back to China and they rip it off. John, thanks for the call. Let's go to David. David, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Hey, good afternoon, Lars. A long-time listener. Thank you. Hey, buddy. Uh, you know, we're talking all this immigration and shit like that. We've got hundreds of things crossing our borders every day, from drug dealers to you name it, correct? Yep. Okay, well, yesterday afternoon, my mother-in-law, who fortunately enough, about five years ago, we obtained a visitor's visa from the U.S. Embassy out of the Philippines for her. She's been traveling back and forth to the U.S. for the last five years, uninterrupted. Things were wonderful. Yep. This particular year, she was due for her renewal on her visa. We yeah. prepared, spent all the money, got the attorneys, got her appointment yesterday morning in Manila, U.S. Embassy. An elderly lady was denied her visa renewal because suspicious activities, and she's been to the U.S. too many times. Hmm. And this involves your mother-in-law. This is my mother-in-law, my wife's mother, who's been coming to the U.S. for five years now consecutively to enjoy her grandchildren. She has two <laughs> wonderful baby girls. 
uh, Andrew Bonner, of course. And yesterday afternoon, the miserable Mother Hubbard denied her. They just said you can't have a ticket to come in. Did they even give her a, an idea of when she'd be allowed to come back to visit? They said straight up until my wife is 10 years is up and she becomes a legal U.S. citizen. Wow. David, I want to get your contact information. Thanks for the call because I want to tr I want to find out more about this story. I appreciate your calls. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.